Men are literally disgusting. Men are trash. That's common in society. What is a woman? Can you tell me that? Marriage is a patriarchal plot to oppress women. And there's no greater source of systematic oppression than the nuclear family. My pronouns are she, her, or they, them. Do you guys think men can get pregnant? Uh, yes. Men, women, marriage, family, society. That's crazy. Well, hey, church, glad to see you here this morning. I uh, just want to reiterate real quick before we get rolling, uh, something that AJ was talking about at the beginning of the service. As many of you guys know, next week is our last week to grab one of those, or next week is our last week to bring in those Operation Christmas Child boxes. We've got a bunch over there right now along the wall. All right, good job, church. I know a lot of you guys have already grabbed boxes. That's cool. Um, if you grabbed them, Fill them up, bring them back. If you haven't grabbed any yet, you should totally grab some. And even if you've grabbed some and you brought them off already, dropped them off already, you should totally grab a couple others. We as a church, we, uh, our goal is this year, we want to fill 1,300 um, boxes and uh, with the toys and all the little things that, that we put in there um, that will then be shipped to children all around the world and touch the lives of 1,300 children's, or ch- children's, children um, in the world uh, around us. And so we want to be able to do that. And, uh, and so just want to encourage you guys uh, to do that. Uh, I counted on Friday, we have like 380 boxes left, okay? So we still got some work to do. My goal is after services today, any box that you see that needs to be taken, all right? It needs to be gone. We need to fill that up and bring it back. So if you see boxes out there, just grab one, okay? Um, what's crazy about um, Operation Christmas Child is a couple, well, I guess this was back in February, um, I, was visit, I was with a team from our church here. We were visiting our two orphanages that we as a church family, you guys, uh, fully support um, in Thailand. We got two of them there. Uh, we, there's roughly 60 kids. And so we were there uh, visiting them and just checking up on everything. And while we were there, we decided to take a few days and we went to the Thailand, Myanmar, also known as, or used to be known as Burma, to the border. And Burma, it's just a mess over there right now. They're in a civil war. There, people are, you know, there's just a lot of people dying and killing each other. It was just, it's just a horrible, terrible thing. And uh, so we went to the border and we were able to help out some of the refugees there. We were able to sneak across a bunch of um, just truckloads of rice over there to help feed them and do some things, uh, which was crazy. All right. Here at Grace, it's like, you know, you're kind of like on the ground level of some things around the world. Like, it's, it's cool. And so we're able to do that. Um, but while I was there, we went to this little village right on the border. And uh, this little village, I mean, we're hours and hours from like what we would consider civilization. And we're there, and we meet up with this little, or with this pastor. He was, he was little. Um, we meet up with this pastor, and, um, and he, he showed us his church, and, and he's kind of got this like little hut thing, and maybe 20 people or so. And we went to his house, and at his house, I took this picture, he had a bunch of Operation Christmas Child boxes um, that he had that I believe were going across the border to Burma to be handed out to a bunch of the refugee children there. And so I just want to say... Um, the boxes that you fill up, the boxes that are over there, they actually do go, all right, to um, places around the world, to kids around the world, and it's just a cool thing to think about. Like, here I am in the middle of the jungle in Asia, in the middle of nowhere, and here's a bunch of boxes from a church in the United States that filled them 
sitting there. And I don't know how they got there. I don't even know how I got there. You know, it's just like, man, okay, that, that's cool. And so just know that a kid, within the next six months or so, a kid is going to open up each and every one of those boxes filled with joy and excitement. And they're going to know somehow, some way, for some reason, that there is a group of people in some far-off country that actually cares about them and that loves them. And not only that, but it's coupled with the message that there is a God who cares about them and love them. And so that's why we do what we do. Have I guilted you enough into grabbing another box? Okay? All right? Um, but seriously, grab another box. It'll be good. We got one more week. Okay? Um, a few, let's say, a few uh, months ago, I was in Walmart, and uh, over at the loudspeaker, I heard the, the phrase, attention Walmart customers. Now, we've all heard that before, okay? This time, when this guy, it was a guy, um, when he says attention Walmart customers, you could tell right off the bat that this guy is like ticked off about something. Like he sounds mad. He's like, attention Walmart customers. Would the guy in the silver minivan who parked in the fire lane with license plate I don't remember the numbers. It's like 321-C-H-I-L-L. Chill. Would he please come and remove his car? And then he's like, I repeat, would the guy with the license plate, 321-C-H-I-L-L, chill, would you please come get your car? And I'm, sitting, and I'm standing there. I'm like listening to this. I'm like, this guy is so mad. And I'm thinking about to myself, I'm like, number one, all right, this is just a crazy place. Who parks in the fire lane? I didn't know we could do that. Apparently, you can't do that. People get really ticked off if you park in the fire lane. I guess sometimes you can't find a good spot, but usually you just circle around. I know some of you guys do. You just circle and circle and circle until somebody opens up, all right? This guy didn't do that, apparently. He just like, that's good, right next to the door, which is good for him, all right? But the second thing I'm thinking about is I'm just like, you know, why is this guy so mad about it? Like, is it his fire lane? Did he build it? Did he, I mean, is that, is that his park? Maybe he usually parks there. I don't know. This guy is just so mad, and I'm just like, and I find it kind of humorous that this guy is so mad, and he's yelling at all of us customers in Walmart over the speaker system while at the same time he's telling us all to chill over and over and over again. I'm like, man, you chill, okay? Maybe that should be your license plate. Jeez, that type of thing. I mean, have you ever looked around the world, and you're just like, dude, this place is crazy. You ever do that? All right? Yeah. You ever just look around and you're like, what are people thinking? What is going on? I mean, think about it. We fight over the dumbest stuff. We can't agree on like anything these days. Like the world is just, we're so divided in so many different ways. We can't even agree on what a man or a woman is. Like the basic stuff, people. Like we are, we can't even figure that out. In society that's around us, the society tells men to be more like women. It tells women to be more like men. And so what we're going to do here at Grace is we're going to take a few weeks and we're just going to look at some of these key areas in society. And we're going to look at them from God's perspective. We're going to talk about masculinity. We're going to talk about women and what those uh, two things mean and what, what we are. Uh, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about family and conflict and, and really things that throughout history have been extremely basic, but now is confusing because society is distorting these things. And so really what I've noticed is uh, part of the problem is over the last 70 years, there's been a cultural shift when it comes to men's role in society. 
And what I mean by that is you think about throughout history and throughout mankind, all right, human history, you look at Africa and Rome and China and the Native Americans here and just everything going on. Like community survival depended on the ability to do a few things, to take ground, to fight, to build and defend. All right, that's what survival, all right, depended on. And historically, men, were the, men played the roles within society who did those things. Men were the ones who took ground, who fought, who built, and who defended. I'm not saying women didn't have valuable roles in those societies. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying men were the ones, like it came down to physical size and physical strength. And that was valuable. That made men valuable within society. And what we've seen in our own culture is that there's been a complete shift from those values. In fact, those values have been completely turned upside down. See, right now, at the moment, we don't live in a culture where physical size and strength is needed at all. I mean, I don't have to go home this afternoon and take ground <laughs> and fight and defend and, uh, and build. I don't have to do any of that. And while that has its perks living in a culture like we do, like I'm just saying, I like comf- my comfort as much as the next guy, all right? I think it has been a negative on society and it has shifted society's values where many men, and maybe I shouldn't even use that term, men, many males, let's say, have left their natural roles. I mean, think about it. Men are physically stronger than women, generally, um, but modern warf- warfare, that's not needed anymore. Not really. Nothing like what it has been throughout human history, no way. Right? Men, uh, or sorry, women are generally statistically healthier than men. Women live longer than men. Men are much more, more likely to commit suicide than women. Men commit way more crime than women. Men make up, 50, make up less than half of the population, yet have 90% of the inmates in prison. Right? Since the 1960s, the rate of fatherless kids has not doubled, but tripled. Right now, the U.S., our country that we all live in, that we all love, has the highest rate of kids living without a dad in the entire world, meaning this, the United States would be the worst country in the world to be born into if you wanted a dad. See, if men were cars, it's just weird, funny to think about. Like, if men were cars, like, who would buy the model that doesn't last as long, it's less reliable, it's more dangerous to drive, and it's impounded more often? You know what I'm talking about? Like, who wants a car like that? Right? That's what society has turned men into, and it's constantly minimizing men. In fact, the last uh, couple of months or so, I've been getting back into the show Home Improvement. You guys remember that? Straight up 90s. It's bringing me back. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. It's bringing me back to the 90s roots, man. It's even on at the same time as it was when I was a kid. It's on like 5.30 to 6.30. I go home, and I'm like reliving my days as a kid, and I'm watching Home Improvement. And what's funny is uh, on Thursday this past week, um, my daughter, my four-year-old daughter, she walks into the room, and she's asking me, she's like, what are you watching? You know, she does that, and she's pointing at stuff. And after I explained to her what the thing was that was attached by a cord to the wall, all right, she didn't know what that was, phone, and... Um, after I explained to her what that was, she was like, oh, yeah, this show. This is the show with the mom and the silly dad. Now, that's how she described it. And maybe it's because I'm a little sensitive about this this week because I'm studying this stuff. But I'm like, I've never thought of it that way before. You know, think about it. Even my four-year-old daughter, who has never watched an episode of Home Improvement in her life, who has just walked through the room a few times as I've been watching it, even my four-year-old daughter recognizes the difference that the world portrays men and women as Jill, the responsible mom, and the idiot Tim, the tool man, Taylor. You get what I'm saying? Like, she recognizes it. See, men in our culture struggle with what it means to be a man. 
and how we think or how a lot of us men think. And we think, well, man, I know what a man is. I'm a man, right? I own a truck. I watch sports. I hunt. I work with my hands and I eat meat. Like that's what we think a man is, right? Others of you in here, you're the skinny jean, scarf-wearing vegan who's sipping your latte from your local hipster coffee shop. And I, I think you could be a man too, right? <laughs> I looked right at Blaine when I said that. I didn't mean that. You just like caught me, my eye. He's drinking water, so we're good. It wasn't him. See, that's one thing that we try um, hard here at Grace, is we, tr- we want to be a church for men. Right? I, personally, and I'm not saying this to offend anybody, right? but I don't even care if you are offended. All right? I don't want to go to a church that's for women and children. I want to go to a church that men also go to. I want to go to the church that's for everybody. That's what we try to do here at Grace. And so we do all kinds of stuff. Here's just a 30-second example of a bunch of different things that we've done uh, with men recently. So part of what we do as a church is we just want to get men together. Some things like Beast Beast, I mean, literally what we do as men, we just sit around and eat meat. Like, that's all we do. And so it's just simple stuff like that. But what I love about our church here is we got men from all different walks of life. We got a bunch of men who have done so much stuff that are a part of our church family here at Grace. I mean, think about it. We have men who have built entire companies from the ground up. All right, we have men who have spent nights in mortar craters in Korea as mortars and explosions are happening all around them. We have men who have saved lives on the battlefield. We have men who have manned machine guns and helicopters all right, during the fall of Saigon. We have men who are in the special forces. We got men here who can fix anything, who can run heavy equipment, who climb water towers, who build with their hands, who race dirt track, who farm their own ground. We have men here at Gray's who have been faithful to their wives without messing up, not even once, for over over 70 years, we got men here at Grace. And I'll be honest, for me personally, that's one of the things I love, is I, I, I see some of you men out there, and what I think as a younger guy is I'm like, I want to be like him. I want to have, marriage, uh, have a marriage like, like they have. I want to be like that Guy, I want to be a man like that man. See, society doesn't give us good examples. Society, man, society can't even define what a man is. See, even our society, if, if they could define what a man is or if they knew what a man is, we wouldn't be able to agree on when you become one. I was just thinking about t- today. I'm like, so when do you become a man? I don't know. Obamacare, right, says you could get off your mama's insurance when you're 26, right? That's like, that's like when you're, they push you off into manhood. Yeah, Budweiser says 21. The military says 18. Unless you get your mama's permission, then you can go 17. But that's not really a man, so it is 18. Okay? You got DMV says 16. You got Bob Evans. They start charging you as a man at 13. You got Cedar Point starting to get expensive. It's six. And you got Tylenol, which is two. All right? <laughs> it's just like, so when is it? You know? See, our society... <laughs> 
is, is, is going crazy. Many societies around the world, they have some sort of, like, they, they, they have a plan for this. They have some sort of what they usually call is like a rite of passage. And I'm not saying we should have some sort of rite of passage or anything, but, but most societies around the world, it's when a teenage boy goes out and does something extremely difficult, and either they go out and they accomplish what they're to accomplish, or they don't come back at all. And when that happens, a man declares the boy a man. We don't have anything like that here. And our society is going crazy. Now, no matter what you think, no matter what you're into, all of us as men, we should be asking the question, what does a man actually look like? What does masculinity actually look like? And society and God gives us very two different answers. In fact, some of you guys, let me just say this, mostly women probably, when you even hear the word masculinity, it just bothers you. Right? It just doesn't sit right for some of you in here. When you think of the word masculinity, what you think automatically is toxic. See, here's the, the deal. And I, again, let this offend you. I, it doesn't matter. I, I don't care. When you think that way, that's our society talking. Right? That's because the society that we live in has told you that's what that is. Here's your problem. Your problem is your idea of masculinity is skewed. Right? It's not biblical masculinity. It's what society has told you masculinity is. See, if your view of masculinity is messed up, not just because it's what society has taught you, all right, but from what I've seen in my own life, a lot of you, your, the, your view of masculinity is skewed because some teacher, some coach, some boyfriend, some husband, or a father at some point in your life didn't live up to the role of what a true man is. And that's part of our society's problem, is that men have abandoned their role in society. And what we've raised now over the last 30 years or so is we've raised a generation of overmothered, underfathered men. And instead of being the provider and protector of our family and community, which is what God calls us to be, we as men, we have bought into the lie that life is all about entertainment and comfort and whatever feels good. By the way, that's boy stuff. That's what I got two boys. That's what they do. Right? It's all about what's, what's more comfortable and what's more entertaining for them. It's like the world has gone crazy. Although this craziness is, I think, is relatively recent within our personal society, but the world has been crazy when it comes to men specifically for a very, very long time. In fact, 3,700 years ago, I think the world was even crazier. During this time in history, uh, the Jewish people were actually slaves in Egypt. They had been slaves in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years. And God uses this man named Moses, probably everybody in this room, we've at least heard of Moses, um, to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. And God um, leads them to this land that God had promised them. In fact, he didn't just promise them. He promised their ancestor, uh, Abraham, that, hey, he said, hey, I'm going to give you this land and your, and your people, your descendants after you. And here it is hundreds of years later. He's ready to do this. And he leads them out of Egypt to this land. Ironically, it's the same land that Israel is fighting for uh, to this day. And when they get there, Moses, he sends out 12 spies to spy out the land and the evil people that are living within the land. And so they go, and when they get back, two out of the 12, their names are Joshua and Caleb. Okay, we remember their names. Um, two out of the 12, they come back and they report to the people. They're like, dude, this land is awesome. Like, God has really hooked us up. Uh, this land, I mean, we got like, to take it. Like, it's time. God tell, told us to. We should take it. God has given it to us. And uh, this is awesome. I can't wait to show you guys around. But, and we remember their names. But there's 10 other guys 
right? And these guys, they go in and they say, yeah, 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 what Joshua and Caleb said is correct. The land is awesome, uh, but the people there are strong. But the people there are like, like to us, they're like tall people. Like they are like giants to us. They're saying, we can't take the land. Man, this is impossible. There is nobody who could go in and take these lands. They got fortified cities, and there's cities all over the place. These are strong, strong people. And maybe, I was just thinking, like, maybe that's the reason why we don't remember their names. And that's why we don't name our kids after them, like we do Josh and, and Caleb, right? Because they were afraid. They also had super weird names, right? Like Shafat, right? You don't want to name your kid Shafat. Shafat's going to have a hard time in school, and he's one of those guys that Shafat's going to the prom by himself, okay? You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so here's the deal. The entire nation of Israel decides not to go into the land that God told them to go into because they are scared and they listen to guys like Shaphat. In fact, because they disagree with Joshua and Caleb, they actually try to kill them. See, that's what fear does. Can I just point this out real quick? Fear has, the, has this way of paralyzing us and it keeps us from doing the right thing. Right? I mean, it's crazy. Think about what these people had experienced from God. I mean, these people got led out of Egypt and one of the first things that they do as the Egyptian army is chasing after them is God parts the, the Red Sea and they walk through it on dry ground. Like, I'm just saying, if I went out to Lake Erie and God parted Lake Erie and I just like walked through it over to Canada, I'm just saying, I wouldn't have a hard time like going, I don't know if God can do that in my life. You know what I mean? For the rest of my life, that would like stick out and I'd be like, no, God can do whatever he wants to do. These people, uh, they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. These people were eating this food that just like appeared on the ground every morning called manna. They were eating that um, throughout, throughout this whole time that God was actually like feeding them. These people were following a pillar of fire around the desert and God was talking to them. I mean, here's, these people have experienced all this stuff and here they are, they're like, eh, I don't know if we really want to go in. I don't think we can do it. They're pretty big. Those people are pretty scary. I don't know if we should obey God in this one thing. I don't know if God can do it. And as you can imagine, God gets mad. He gets angry, which is okay for him to be. And God says, fine, none of you guys are going to go. I'll wait till all of you guys die off, and I'm going to take your kids. I'm not going to take your generation. I'm going to take the next generation. So the Jewish people, they travel around the desert for 40 years until that entire generation dies off, including Moses. And so the only two people left that were adults during that time when they decided not to go into the land happened to be the two spies that had encouraged everybody to go into the land named Joshua and Caleb. And 40 years later, God goes to one of those spies, specifically Joshua, and he says, hey, here's the deal, Joshua. Moses, he's dead. Actually, Josh, or God and Moses, they took a little walk up the mountain, and Moses never came back. And so he says, Moses, he's dead. And so Joshua... Europe. And then he says this to Josh. He says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Not that he didn't have a dad, just that his dad's name was Nun, which is not a cool name. And so this is what he says. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land that I'm giving the Israelites. He's like, Hey, it's time. We are back here, same spot we were 40 years ago, right? We haven't moved very far. We are back here, and uh, it's time. I'm giving you this land, and Joshua, guess what? You're the man to lead him. And my guess is that Joshua, when he hears this, he's just like, wait, what? Wait, you want me? Wait, what do you want me to do? See, there's a problem. 
And the problem is that those people that freaked out the 10 spies 40 years earlier, guess what? They're still there. They didn't just like waltz away, all right? They're still living in the land, and these people were known for being brutal. In fact, these people weren't just brutal to their enemies. These people were brutal to their own family members. These people, they were known for, for lighting their kids on fire and sacrificing them to God. It's like that's how bad, that's how brutal these people were. And so, let alone to the enemy. And this, talk about a crazy society. That society is worse than where we're at right now. And so God's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to go in. I want you to kick them out because these people are so evil. These people are so bad. I'm giving their land to you guys. And I'm sure Joshua's thinking, he's just like, hey, God, I'm not qualified for this. You ever feel that way, by the way? Where you're just like, man, I, like this, this ain't my thing. Like, Joshua, he's like, I don't have a degree in military tactics. I haven't been trained. Even Moses had a hard time leading these people. Like, how am I supposed to leave them? By the way, you know what Joshua was really good at? Wandering. He was really good at wandering. It's what he's been doing for the last four decades. He was a professional wanderer. It's like all he knows. I mean, what the Jewish people were doing every day is they would get up in the morning, pack up their stuff, follow a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire, and then when it stopped, they stopped, and then they would unpack and have dinner and go to bed. Like, that's what they did. All right, that was like their thing. They were like professional RVers. All right, some of you guys, you know what that's like. <laughs> they were not warriors. And so here's Joshua. He's got this sweet resume of previous slave, only been in one battle, little experience, professional wanderer. And you know what I think? I think he's freaked out. I think he's freaking out. See, back when he was a young spy, yeah, he was bold. He had courage. He was like, yeah, let's do it, all right? Let's, let's take this land. But now that he's in charge, like some of you guys, you know, you know, as, if you're a leader, like you know how it is. When you're a leader, it's just different. In fact, many of us, we lose our boldness when, when the responsibility rests on our shoulders. And my guess is that maybe that's what's happening to Joshua. So God steps in and God tells him this. He says, Joshua, all right, I know this is going to be tough. I know this ain't going to be easy, but here's the deal. Be strong and courageous. Now, this word for strong, this literally means be a man in the Hebrew. All right? He's saying play the role of a man and be courageous. I mean, think about it. Here's Joshua. He's this new leader of 2.5 million people, okay, that are at pain. Some of you guys, you, uh, you supervise or you manage a small team of people at work, and you know how some of those people could be a pain? I see you guys shaking your heads. Yeah. All right. Imagine 2.5 million of them. In fact, these people drove Moses nuts. And so here's a new leader of 2.5 million people. He is going to lead them to a land that he's only been in once in his life. It happened to be 40 years ago. And now he must lead in battle, something that he just knows nothing about. And so Joshua, he's kind of freaking out. So here's God who does the fatherly thing. Right, he comes down and he's like, he sits Joshua down. He's like, okay, you got your pen, you got your paper. He's like, I got it, God, okay, got my clipboard. And God says, this is how you do it. All right, this is how you lead the people. This is how you're going to take the land. God literally says, be a man. That's what he says. And Joshua's like, be a man. Okay, got that next. That's it. He says, be a man. Be strong. Have courage. It's so interesting to me that as God does this, 
Like, God doesn't give him a list of top 25 things. Like, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to give you this list. I want you to write it all down. All right, don't ask me any questions till the end. Okay, then you can, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't give him any of that. I'm going to quiz you on it later. It's not what he does. He doesn't give him a self-help book of, hey, here's how to lead. All right, he doesn't say, here, if you get anxious or you get nervous about it, just take this or just smoke this. Or, or hey, I, I have a really great therapist for you to talk to in case you need that, um, you know, a counselor. They, they'll help you through this, Joshua. I just, you know, hope you're going to be okay. He doesn't doesn't even say, like, you know, in your tent, I already got your emotional support bird, okay? So that's already there, and you can pet it, and you can talk to it, and you can do all the things that people do with those things. I don't know. Uh, basically, what God says, he doesn't do any of that. That's what society tells men to do these days, okay? Not saying any of those things are wrong. I'm just saying that's what society says. And here's God. He doesn't mention any of those things. God just says, all right, here's what you do. Um, man up, Joshua. Be strong. Have courage. For what, by the way? Right? For you to distribute the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. He's like, for you to do the work that I am telling you to do. I want you to be a man, be strong, be, have courage with the task that I'm giving you. And for Joshua, let's be honest with ourselves, this is a pretty big task. It's like, that's a big job. For us, I'm just guessing God's not going to call us to go in and take a bunch of land and lead 2.5 million people and do all this stuff. Like, you know, none of the, that's not on the docket for any of us. But he does call us as men to do stuff. Right? Can I just point a few of them out? Number one, he calls you as a man to work. Right? We see that all the way back to the beginning. And I'm not saying usually when we think of the word work, we think of job. Right? And I know we got a bunch of retired guys in here. And I'm not saying that you have to go get a job. I'm saying, but you should work. Right? You should keep your mind on something. You should be doing something. You should be working and building something in your life. God calls you to provide all right, for your family. God calls you to protect your family and protect your community. If you're a dad, one of your most important jobs as a man is you are to raise your kids God's way. Something I think very few men in our society actually do. If you're a man, you're also called to lead in whatever area of life that might be for you. See, that's the problem with the society around us is men, men who do nothing are the problem. Men who say nothing are the problem. Men who stand up for nothing are the problem. And that's what society pushes men to be. P society pushes men to be passive. We talked about this last week when King David, when he was passive and, and what that meant for his family, that passivity always leads to chaos. Some of you guys, you know that from your own life. Society is constantly pushing men to be passive, to be feminine, to be weak and afraid, to avoid confrontation at all costs, and to avoid responsibility. Take the easy road. I mean, have you noticed that everything that society puts on our faces is about doing the least amount of work possible? The easiest way to cut all the corners? Have you ever noticed that? Take shortcuts? Like, that's what society's constantly... I mean, you look at commercials. Like, that's what everything's all about. Commercials and ads and social media. I mean, it's just all over the place. Uh, even Just a couple weeks ago, I was... Um, uh, I noticed that on... Uh, Brian Grime, a lot of, or Grimm, a lot of you guys know him. He's, he, he's one of us. He was here in first service. Uh, but he, I noticed on his Instagram that he had posted this picture that, hey, he made $13,000 off of uh, just by simply investing in Bitcoin. Man, I'm like, good for him. Brian is making it. Hopefully he tithes that money because we, we got a building to build here, you know? 
And then I noticed uh, a couple days later, no, no, now he made 28000 He had $28,000 um, that was deposited into his bank account. I'm like, go, Brian. He's doing so well. And then on Thursday, I noticed that, oh, he just got his first Mercedes and all the work and decisions and time spent to make this. Man, it's so great. And not only that, but all he had to do was contact Melissa, and he's finally at zero emissions. Good job for him. And now today, someone just told me this today, so I added it in. First service didn't even get this. He just got a house. Wherever that is, you know, I'm just like, man, he is doing so good. And unfortunately, that's not real. And unfortunately, his account has been hacked and all this stuff. But, but <laughs> isn't that what the world, you know, is constantly shoving in our face? Like, wow, look, you don't have to work hard as a man. No. You don't have to do anything. There's an easy road for you. You don't have to have responsibility. All you need to do is entertain yourself. You know why? Because you deserve it. That's what the world is constantly shoving in our faces. I mean, for the 30 and under crowd, I can say that now that I'm above this, all right? But you have been taught since kindergarten that you are a snowflake, a butterfly, and a skittle, all right? Whatever those things are. You get a trophy for everything that you've done in your entire life. You have been taught over and over and over again that you are so special. And can I just say this right now just to, like, make sure we're all on the straight, right, right page here? You're not... You're like me and the rest of us. We're a messed up, jacked up, horrible, terrible people, all right, on the inside. That's what you are. That's what I am. See, God is so interesting here. God, he doesn't make Joshua's job easy. He doesn't give him a participation trophy and say, here, this is, you know, good job, Joshua. I'm so proud of you. He doesn't do any of that, all right? He, he, he doesn't. And Joshua's job, by the way, is super difficult. He doesn't give them step-by-step instructions. Okay, this is the easiest road. If you go around here, then that would be easier. You take these people first. You know, he doesn't do any of that. What God tells him is he needs to be a man, be strong, and be courageous to do his work. He says this, in case Josh didn't get it the first time. He says, above all, this is the very next verse. Uh, In case you missed it, I said, be strong and very courageous. Right, at what here? Not just to do the work. He says, to observe carefully the whole instruction that my servant Moses commanded you. He sa- and by the way, what's that? What's Moses' instruction? We still happen to have it today. Most of us, we all have one of these. It's what we call a Bible. We just don't read it. You know what I'm saying? This is what he's talking about. God of the universe is telling Joshua, he's like, hey, you have this book. At least part of it he had. He says, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. See, it's interesting here. What God does is God equates, right, how well Joshua knows this. And it's not even just knowing about the Bible. It's actually doing what the Bible says. He equates that along with um, success in Joshua's life. Now, success in God's eyes is probably going to be a little different than success in our lives, right? Success the way that we think of success. But here's God, he's saying, hey, you want to be truly successful? You want to actually have a meaningful life, like where you're going to find fulfillment out of that success? You want that? Man, you better do it this way. He's like, I've given you the way I've told you. He says, this book of instruction, it must not depart from your mouth, man. You talk about it. Right, you say it. He says, you are to meditate on it or think about it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. You need to be careful when you read it that you're doing everything that God tells us to do, that we live the life that God has called us as men to live. He says, for then you will, be, you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. 
See, here's God. He's like, oh, yeah, Joshua, you got questions? And Joshua's like, I do? Yeah, yeah, I got a, I got a couple questions. You want, me to, you want me to lead these people? And he's like, oh, yeah, Joshua, you, you feel unqualified for what I've called you to do? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, got some questions. He's like, all right, perfect. Here's the answer. Be in this book. He says, you need to be in this book. See, God has given us this book as men. And it tells us how to live our life the way that he's called us, the way, by the way, that he has designed us to live our life. And so some of us, we might think that we're manly because we drive a truck and we hunt and we have watch sports or play sports and we work hard. But here's the deal. Can I just say this? If you don't do what God has called you to do the way that God has called you to do it, you will always be just a shell of the man God wants you to be. God finishes up saying this. Casey didn't get it. You notice a pattern here, by the way? Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. You know, part of me wonders if, like, Joshua gave him a look after that second time. He's like, huh? And God's just like, what? Are you serious? You got questions still? He's like, didn't I just say be strong and courageous? Didn't I just say be a man and, and have courage? He says, don't be afraid or discouraged. He's like, wipe that off your face, basically. He says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's like, I'm here, man. I know this is something you don't think you could do. I know this is something that seems so much bigger than you, Joshua, but he's like, man, this is nothing to me. I'm with you. See, why does God tell Joshua to be strong and courageous? Because he's weak and afraid. You don't have to tell someone to do something if they're already doing it. And so, men, I don't know what you got going on in your life. Right, like I don't know what, what problem you have in your life that you got to fix or whatever's going on in life that you're just like dealing with it. Some, some, some men in here, I mean, this is the honest truth. Like some of you guys, you, you need to hear this, very few. But some of you, you need to hear, it's time to grow up. It's time to move away from the boy stuff. You're looking at life through the lens of a boy. It's time to grow up. And for all of us men in here, let me just say, you matter a lot more than you think you do. You matter a lot more than the world tells you you do because the roles that God has called and the roles that God has designed for you within society is the thing that society is missing. And that's why that the world we live in is so crazy is because we have abandoned our roles. And so I want to encourage you to do what God has called you to do, to be strong, to have courage, and to be a man. And ladies, you'll get beat up next week, okay? <laughs> but can I just say this to you ladies out there? As our mothers and sisters, I mean, you're our moms, our sisters, our daughters, and you're our, our sisters in, 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 in Christ, right? Like, you're our sisters in our church family. Like, you're a part of our lives. My ask of you as women in here is biblically you need to have high expectations for the men in your life. Biblically, you need to have high expectations for the other men that are sitting in this room. Don't let us off easy. That's what society does. That's part of the problem. Let's pray. God, we, uh, some of this stuff is just awkward to talk about, Lord. It's because our society has just flipped things on end. And God, we ask that you would help us as men in here to push back against the world around us and to stand up and stand up for what's right and do what you've called us to do and just be men.
strong, courageous men, bold. God, we can't do that without your help. Because in order to do that, we got to find our strength in you, not in ourselves. And God, we ask for us ladies in here that they would um, have high expectations for the men in this room. That they wouldn't let us off easy. God, that they would hold us accountable to being men. Your way, not their way, your way. God, we thank you for teaching us on this. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So glad you guys were here this morning. We got, we'll see you guys back here next week. Don't forget, grab a box on the way out. Let's, uh, let's, let's finish those things up. We'll see you guys back here next week.